0: Welcome to Vermont Artists and Authors, where we interview great storytellers and artists from the amazing Green Mountain State. This is episode three. I'm your host, Barney Smith of storycomic.com, and we're excited to have with us the famed Vermont historian, journalist and author, Michelle Sherburn so as I was saying, I was, te- I was telling Michelle before we, we went we went live that I, I I got a nice Big old list of notes and questions for her. and but what I wanted to do first was kind of introduce you to the Listeners and the viewers and tell people a little bit about yourself.
1: Yes. I, I've been a, a historian for that long Yep, three three decades uh, <laughs> I've been in the newspaper business for that long. Um, I uh, was born in Pennsylvania, moved up to Vermont in 1976, and um, I got into writing in high school. And here's a shout out to Blue Mountain Union High School, where I graduated in 1984, and uh, started working at a newspaper two days after high school graduation. Um, And so I learned the ropes of the newspaper business in a weekly journal opinion in Bradford and uh, started writing. Uh, I think my first newspaper article was published when I was a junior in high school. So um, I've been writing for a very long time. Um, Just a little uh, family background, my father's Jim Arnosky. Uh, He's a famous nationwide children's book author, illustrator. And uh, so I've been around the publishing field for my whole life. So um, I started, uh, I worked in the newspaper business, production, um, editing, you know, the whole gamut. Um, But on the side, always uh, writing articles. And I kind of fell into writing history articles. And that's kind of how I got into um, researching.
0: So tell me about it, because right now you have, you have four books uh, that you've written so far. The first one was in 2012. It was the, it was basically a a, a historical book based off of the Peacham and during the Civil War. And that seemed to have launched you into Writing more and more books about about this about the Civil War. You have abolition and in, in the Underground Railroad in Vermont, which then kind of turned into. You also wrote the St. Albans Raid, and then the, your most recent book was about the the Underground Railroad in New Hampshire. So you were working a lot in doing research about the Civil War. What kind of when did it become that level of that that passion of deciding to say, you know what, I can write some books about this.
1: Well, um, actually, the, I'd been working on manuscripts for books for years, way before the Peacham Connection. Um, I had researched the Underground Railroad um, for about 25 years. So I kept running into stories that were about people who were really fascinating in Vermont and I wanted to share it, but I really didn't have a voice. I really didn't know how to make it interesting. What got me into the Underground Railroad was actually a newspaper assignment. Um, I was given um, a feature article. Hey, here's a place in Haverhill, New Hampshire that uh, has a Underground Railroad safe house. Go do a fluff piece. And that's really what started it. Um, and I ended up doing like a th- Three-month research project for the Caledonian Record in St. Johnsbury, and ended up with three full-page, a three-page three series in in their paper uh, because of the work I did. So when I started researching the Underground Railroad, it just it just was like dominoes. You just kept <laughs> you just you just kept bumping into more and more information and more interesting stories, and I just wanted to tell them so that's i've been working on something for a very long time the Peacham connection worked well because i volunteered my time um i got into that because my husband's uh grandfather was a Peacham native herman clark and um he had an ancestor who had been in the civil war and had been at andersonville prison and wrote about it so I got connected with Peacham Historical Association and volunteered my time. That's how that Peacham book came about. Was working with them and what it did was it gave me credibility.
0: So you wrote your first book was the was the Vermont Hilltown in the Civil War. That was the title of it.
1: Right? Yes, that was a that was actually I edited that book. Okay. Um I worked with uh the president of Peachum Historical Association, and we worked for two years compiling all that we could about Peachum soldiers. And um, I learned a lot because I did a lot of transcription of diaries, memoirs, letters, and I, I got an education in the Civil War. I didn't have any background in the Civil War. <laughs> that was all new. So, that kind of gave me some credibility and then that became that peach and book became an award-winning book that people, you know, really enjoyed and it kind of launched me into, uh, being able to work on my own books. But, uh, that first, the first book I did on the underground railroad in Vermont took 22 years to find a home. <laughs> persistence people, persistence. <laughs> Don't give up.
0: (laughs) So that, so yeah, that book came out in 2013. When did you actually, what was the period between finishing writing it and then actually finding a publisher to get it printed?
1: Well, I do things a little backwards. (laughs) So I had, I had, you know, rough, rough drafts, but I basically was pitching a publisher a number of publishers with a concept and not a finished manuscript. Okay. Okay, that's backwards. <laughs> so basically when you know the commissioning editor said, yes, the board wants this book and here's the deadline, I was faced with, okay, um, I gotta write this. <laughs> and that's how it's been. I, so- I have I I did not sell a completed manuscript. <laughs> <laughs> Um, But I work well under pressure because of my newspaper training.
0: Okay. (laughs) So you pitched the book. Did they tell you it has to be X amount of pages or how did that work?
1: Yeah, the the, um, History Press, which is now owned by Arcadia, um, they have formulas that they tell you. They give you a word count, a picture count. Um, They tell you that. And you're supposed to stay within that. And it was very difficult because 22 years of research is files and files and files. And I had to winnow it down to very short chapters and just touch on certain things. And it it, it was a difficult job. But I was really pleased with how it came out. I mean, the, the message came across. A lot of the reason I did find my writing voice was because I uh, uh, some friends of mine asked. Uh, asked me to do a history presentation. and they coached me. Uh, Jackie and Peter Sinclair and Reigate um, coached me. and I started doing presentations, and you found very quickly what's interesting to people and what's not. And so that's when I kind of figured out, oh, I can do this. I can write this in the right form. I've been writing for years. It just wasn't that good. Well, and you know, with, as being a writer, you're always you're always writing mentally you know you're always jotting down notes you always have a number of things playing in your head uh, projects uh, that's how i am um but when you do historic writing his, historical books it's facts these are not stories that i'm making up and i can't elaborate on so it's very different um, you have to do the research Everything in history is is like a mystery. You usually just get little bits and pieces of facts. And especially in the Underground Railroad, that's a huge (laughs) problem with it, is that you get just a little tiny piece of evidence. And what your job is, as a historian first, is to find as many clues and as much information um, to solve a mystery. And that's why it's so interesting. That's why I love it so much. I'll research anything. I mean, I'll, I mean, I come. I I have small research projects all the time because someone will say something. Hey, did you, did you, did you know about this? And then you start digging and you find a, a great story. There's an awful lot of excavating that has to go on. So it's <laughs> a lot of research, and you have to be very persistent. I spent a whole year tracking down a man from the 1800s just to figure out what his full name was and also what his story, what his background was, where'd he come from? He just popped up in Topsham, Vermont, and I didn't know who he was and he was a player in the Underground Railroad and it took me a year. And I found it. I found I found Nathan. I found him.
0: You know, talking to some other writers that write science fiction or or fantasy is writing fiction in that sense seems to me be more of an additive art, meaning that you add more to it to tell more of a story or yes. what you're talking about is almost like editing a documentary where you have to subtract, you are trimming out some things because of being as a writer. Do you ever get in those positions where you're just tempted to make links? Do you put speculation in some of your stuff or,
1: you know, I'm, I've been very careful not to do that. Um, Because, because I, when I started out with this subject, it was not, uh, the Underground Railroad, Vermont, New Hampshire, all of that was considered a whole bunch of folklore. It wasn't considered history. And I spent a lot of time telling people, yes, it was. This happened here. There were slaves being hidden. There were slaves owned in, in New Hampshire. And I got, I had experts. I had Historical societies telling me, no, it wasn't. And so so for me to make anything up, I couldn't. For years, I wanted to do a fictional novel on it, but I couldn't because I needed to be taken seriously. Mm. And it's taken me this long to be taken seriously. But you have to be very careful. The other thing about writing about history is you have to have all your facts and research in front of you so you're accurate and quoting precise. You can't do it. Oh, uh, I'm gonna just paraphrase. You have to make sure that the quote that President Abraham Lincoln, that quote is ver, you know, verbatim. Here you go. So every so, it it, it it's tricky. It really is, but it has to be accurate.
0: And do you and do you think by the, the by the fact that you you're published and not say self published, can adds. A little bit more from your perspective as a as a writer of history it adds a more legitimacy to it than say if you self-published your own books
1: I think it helps that um, I have a publisher uh, I think you're right I, I agree with that because especially with the subject matter um, civil war if I wrote just about the civil war I probably could have self-published uh, and be in, been been taken seriously but the Underground Railroad is a tricky subject, and so I've treaded very carefully. Um, also, I wanted to have a publisher. Um, I, there have been so many doors opened up to me because I have a national pub, publisher. My book is available all around the world in all, different languages, um, and it's opened up opportunities. Being a historian in, in schools, just different connections. So. You know, so that's why I went with that with a national publisher.
0: And you just mentioned before because you just recently you were on you were a guest on the the Ghost Brothers show on the Travel yes. Channel.
1: Yeah.
0: And and that was and what was that about?
1: I'll do the lead in how <laughs> how the door opened, and then I'll tell you about the show. How's that?
0: Sure.
1: Um, so the executive producer of this um, Ghost Brothers show he's out in California and he, they, they were going to come to Hillsborough, New Hampshire to investigate uh, a bed and breakfast that is haunted. And so one of the stories about this bed and breakfast was that the, um, a young, a young runaway slave boy had died and was buried in the basement and was haunting the place. And so Um, He started searching just, is there any possibility the Underground Railroad uh, had um, networks going up through New Hampshire? So he Googled it and he came across my New Hampshire book and he contacted my publisher. And I get an email from my publicist saying, hey, this guy wants to talk to you. Here's his email. Connect if you want. So I connected and he said, look, this is what I'm doing. We're doing a paranormal investigation of this place. So. That's the kind of door it opened. I gave him information. I said, "Yes, it's possible. I've I've researched it. I know um, that it's possible that runaways were being brought up past that town. I'm not not specific to that place." So I ended up, you know, being asked to be on the show as a guest. So and the show is called uh, Haunted House Guests. And um, there's actually three spirits that are haunting this. Bed and Breakfast, and it's very interesting. And they, these guys go there and bring their equipment and, like, you know, like Ghostbusters, <laughs> <laughs> and, and they go in. And it, what they're trying to do is they're trying to figure out why a spirit is in the house, what and what you know, what they want. And it was all very, you know, on the level. It was all, you know,
0: nothing scary,
1: but it was interesting and uh you know and i was able to share about the underground railroad going up through new hampshire so
0: and the, your your books you did in the underground railroad you also did a book that was got a lot of press uh, over the when it came back it, when it came out in 2014 and people are still talking about it is your is your saint Alb- your book about the saint albans raid hmm. so how did you you, were, you did your research on the Underground Railroad and the, the, C- the Civil War era in, in Vermont. Were you explicit in learning more about the St. Albans Raid or did you stumble upon that and that just became a seed in your head? You're like, I need to learn more about this. How did, that, how did the book, your book created?
1: That was also some, that was a good pitch. The a great sales pitch. Um, I had just finished, I had just finished the, um, the Vermont book like you said. And I wanted to get on the list, the publishing list for the next, you know, for the next year. And I try, I pitched a couple ideas, Vermont, R- Vermont related. I'd heard of the St. Albans raid, honestly didn't know much about it. Uh, hadn't researched it, hadn't come up in my, you know, in front of me. Uh, I basically just, I, I, I thought about it and went, you know what? That might be a good idea. So I pitched it to the publisher and they said, that sounds awesome. I said, yeah, this is great. It's the 150th anniversary. It was the 150th anniversary of the actual event. And they were like, that's great. So we want the book ready for the event. So (laughs) (laughs) I pitched it in March. They gave me the go ahead the beginning of April. They wanted the book completely done by July 1st. Wow that because the anniversary was in September so they wanted the book to go into production and be premiered the week of the September anniversary that meant that I had to research and write from April to July 1st (laughs) and I did it and I, I stayed married (laughs) <laughs> and I didn't lose my job. <laughs> it was insane. I didn't know anybody in St. Albans. Mm. I just started making phone calls. And I, I attached myself to the museum, the St. Albans Historical Museum. And I said, I, I'd like to do a book. Would you please help me? And they were so gracious to open their doors and their arms. And I sat down with a 92-year-old uh, St. Albans native, who told me, laid out the politics of the time, and he, he was a ben, he's a benefactor of the museum, and he knew a lot. Mm. They get, they helped me so much. <laughs> so I basically in three months researched. I mean, I was on Google, grabbing everything I could, reading old texts to create this book. I I, I it wasn't just a store a small story. I did all aspects of it how did vermonters respond to this raid and uh you know i learned in the process that vermont went into a virtual lockdown for 3 months after the raid because they thought canada was attacking them and they thought it was going to happen again i i researched the soldiers who were in the civil war on the war front writing home going hey i heard about the raid are you okay mom <laughs> so so it was it was quite a story and I learned it's just a fascinating all the people up there. So um, and then it became made me the the most current expert on the raid. So every time they need something, they call me. <laughs> so I'm I, it, they're great. They really are great. The museum.
0: So I'll uh, just uh, give a quick synopsis for the folks that are unfamiliar with the St. Albans raid.
1: This was in uh, October 1864. So we're almost at the end of the Civil War. And what it was, was an undercover operation by Confederates that were hiding out in Canada. Uh, President Jefferson Davis had sent a a whole bunch of uh, Confederates to Canada and they were trying to come up with secret missions to undermine Lincoln and to infiltrate in the North. So what they decided, one of the things they were gonna do was they were gonna do raids. So um, this was all commissioned by Davis um, and it was 21 men that infiltrated St. Albans, but they, they infiltrated the community. They didn't ride in on horseback, waving a flag in uniform. They showed up a couple weeks earlier and stayed in the hotels and pretended to be tourists and they mixed with the locals and they ch- you know they did reconnaissance missions what's going to be the best thing they picked a certain day october 19th 1864 and they stationed themselves around the town the the green the park which is taylor park now they basically blocked it off and it, at a quiet time of day and they 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 took over the town huh. It was a 30-minute raid, and part of the raid was to take hostage anybody that was on Main Street. And they, ra- they, they raided three banks. They robbed three banks at the same time. And they stole about, in today's money, $200,000. Wow. And they took over, the, you know, they threatened people. They took hostages. And once the, the, the bank robberies were completed, they stole horses because they didn't come in on horseback. <laughs> they they tried to burn down the town, but it didn't work. Uh, the reason it didn't work was that, uh, you familiar with Greek fire? It's a very old, old, it's an ancient um, mixture that is flammable. And it's like phosphorus and sulfur mixed together. The problem with it is that if you add water to it, it increases the flame. It doesn't okay. put it out. And you don't need to light it. So what they had were bottles of Greek fire that they, they tried smashing against buildings to try to set things on fire. But because it was a rainy day, the, the water didn't work right. And it didn't work. They didn't burn anything. Anyway, the whole point was 30 minute raid. And they took off to Canada only like 20 minutes away and they thought they were home free but they didn't realize that almost 100 st alban's men got angry and chased chased after them and arrested them in canada so it was a failed attempt but it did scare everybody in vermont it's a great story and these were soldiers but they actually went on trial as robbers as thieves and they were acquitted but it's just a great story and St. Albans, you know, celebrates all of that. Uh, I like to do um, reenactments of the raid when I go to schools. Oh, really? Yeah, bank <laughs> robberies with fake money. <laughs> <laughs> Stealing horses, taking posses after them. Kids love it. Kids love it. I mean, it's the best thing. But And what it does is uh, that's something that's important to me is that with my books, um, I like to inspire people to start digging themselves and I like to introduce history to people who would never think that it was interesting so that's one of my missions in writing but that's my synopsis of the St. Albans raid
0: well you also were interviewed by uh mysteries at the museum uh, another show and that was based off of based off the St. Albans raid
1: yes yes it was a, that was uh boy that's in syndication and that's great <laughs> i have people i get comments all the time friends family that say you know hey i saw you the other night I have kids come up to me and go hey i saw you on tv uh yeah that's a, that was a great one um it was uh it was basically it was a scary experience because it was like a police interrogation mm-hmm. um dark room spotlight you know cameraman's three feet away from you I can't move. I can't move because the sound man says, I can hear you. (laughs) And they based, and the producers sat on the floor three feet away asking me to say the same thing in three different sound bites. And it was all off the top of my head. (laughs) Say that again with this inflection. (laughs) Where's the script? It was, but it came out, it came off really good. And they, ha- and they did a really nice job with it. Uh, some of it was a little inaccurate when they did the, you know, the actor portrayal thing. Very but cool. they didn't ask me that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when, you, when you go and you talk to students, do you see yourself more or less promoting being a writer or promoting the history part of it?
1: I would say with, with kids you're pushing the history part um because when i talk to them i try to instill in them that history happened here it didn't happen all in new york city and philadelphia and boston that history happened right here and the monuments that you go by each day actually stay, are for something real and there's some pretty fascinating things that happened right in your own little town And so I try to, I I really don't push the writing part um, because with kids, so many of them don't like history. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm dealing with maybe I'd say from fourth grade up to 12th. So when I've been a historian in residence at a school, uh, you know, I want to get kids interested in history and say, you know, this is really cool. Let me tell you about this person. really lived here and you know that house it's right around the corner that kind of stuff um as far as the writing that's more for adults um i have a lot of people who will ask me about writing and uh, you know i i advise people all the time you know if you like to write just write write anything if you're interested in something that's the best thing you you're you know write the best thing you can about it um if you want to write history research it and then tell the story um and a lot of times in writing people are like well i don't know how to start and i don't know how to do this and and i always say the same thing you never as far as i'm concerned you never start at page one chapter one page one and write through to the end of the book that's not how it works with me. I I am um. I basically take chunks. I will write in chunks, whatever is coming to mind. I'm going to cover this A B C and D. And then and I just get it on paper. And the beauty of computers is you can copy and paste and move things around. <laughs> um, but I never I, you know you never start at the beginning because the blank page will stare at you for a very long time. So basically if you have a story to tell, you just, sometimes I say, just take a tape recorder and tape your tape yourself, tell the story verbally and then type it out. And then you go back through and your job as a writer is to mold it into a finished product. So that's what I tell people that ask about writing and that's usually adults.
0: And when, when you write, when you write, uh, historical books did when you mentioned before that uh, arcadia publishing did they give you a an outline to say you need to make sure that it's either like in chronological order or do you have to start off with like a like a, a question and then kind of build up some suspense or how would you define the the style of the books the the historical books that you put together
1: um they kind of left that all up to me Okay. Um, The first book I did, because I had such a wealth of information, I had to pick and choose, but I also had a really good editor. And it was nice because I could send her stuff and she would go, she'd read a chapter and go, yeah, no, you covered that in the first paragraph. I don't need three pages on it. (laughs) Um, And she was really, really good. And I learned that first time that, this is the this is the way this is the structure that I should do for them, and it's very limited. The chapters have to be shorts and because their readers aren't you know history nerds like me, but so they didn't give me any guidelines uh you know, the raid book fell in you know sometimes they just fall in place I've written articles, and you go to a meeting, you go and you interview somebody, and you have to figure out how to take this interview and make it an interesting article and you always have to cover the basics who what where when why how and that's what mystery that's what the mystery part is so in writing it's the same thing and a lot of the reason i can do that is because of the background i have that's a lot you know newspaper writing is very precise
0: and, and do you do you feel as though that that your your background in journalism? Kind of prepared you to do that investigative level of of historical research
1: I think it helps me organize when I write um, because a lot of you know I spent years writing feature articles about people who make rugs and and you know or wood carvers you know you know human interest stories mm-hmm. um, but this it's basically the same thing. You're, you're telling, you're, you're telling readers a story about this person and why they're interesting. And you're, and I try to do that with history. Um, my subject of the underground railroad falls under a misconception category a lot. And that is, and one of the misconceptions is that it's all about the house Mm. and it's not. Everybody will, I mean, I don't know how many, I mean, I have done hundreds and hundreds of presentations. So I've met a lot of people. I've been doing it since 2011. It's a while. And they all say the same thing. They come up afterwards and they're like, so I grew up in a house that had a closet with a, you know, with a, half a door and then a stairs that went into the rabbit hole, you know, that kind of (laughs) stuff. And I'm, and, and I, you know, I, I'm very polite about it, but I'm like, who lived there? I don't really, the house didn't do anything. Who lived there?
0: Right.
1: So it's the same thing. Your my newspaper background got me into the people interest. And that's what my, I try to bring to in the writing of history is that, you know, these are real people.
0: Mm.
1: They're real people. So that's what's neat about it. And that's why I got to share it.
0: So that's interesting. It's, it's almost like you take on the, because of your journalism background, it, it seems as though that when you do, when you do this historical investigations and put these books together, you focus more on the people instead of the actual places. It's almost the people are the, are the story, not the actual, not physical locations.
1: Right. Like historical marker stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I try to focus on the people. Because I try to I try to figure out how they how they risk their their reputations how they risked their you know their social network uh, to help strangers because the bottom line is that's what the underground railroad was it was a network of strangers helping runaway strangers and you risked you risked everything doing it it wasn't it wasn't something gallant that you advertised because it was illegal so that uh, to me they were already heroes just knowing that they helped Mm. so my job is to find out all about them what did they do in town what did they do for work what what group you know what church did they go to what build a sociogram around them Um, and a lot of times that you never even pick up anything that says he was an underground railroad agent or something so right. it is about the people. You're right. And that's what I try to stress is I always tell, I always start off my talks like that. I want to introduce you guys to a lot of great people. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right? <laughs> because that's what it's about. Right. Yeah. It's
0: and pretty do fascinating. You, do, you, do you kind of define yourself as an historian that writes or do you consider yourself a writer who loves history?
1: I think I've evolved into a historian who writes. I've always been a writer. Um always have. But I think that because I got into this groove of researching, um it, it you know, it to me it's just important to learn this whole story, figure out the mystery. Right.
0: Um
1: I really would I really would like to get into historical fiction so that I could stretch my wings because it's really hard to stay in the parameters of historic, (laughs) you know, actual factual. Right. It's hard.
0: Do you have other stories that you're, that you're eager to put down and tell that are historical that, that you just had to put to the side because you couldn't find the right information?
1: It's more that I can't find the time to do them. (laughs) i have i have full i mean I've researched uh, as far as staying on the historic uh you know writing historical books um, I have so many research projects that I've done that I have finished i have figured out the mystery i have ended the story um i don't i have to work full time mm. <laughs> and, and so I don't have the time to actually devote to just writing, and I have so many there's like files in my brain. Mm. I'd love to do this. I'd love to do that. Um, and I've researched, uh, I know that I haven't put out a book in the last couple of years. Um, and a lot of that is because the projects I've been working on are not really for books. Mm. Okay. They're research projects that will become articles Mm. or they'll become short stories
0: what kind of linkage do you have with other vermont authors is there a is there a network that you're you're a part of that that you guys talk in or how does that work
1: well um i have a a, i have a lot of connections with historical society people um because of the research and because you run into them civil war you know uh Fanatics, (laughs) Fanatics, <laughs> you know, I, I, I have a lot of connections there. Um, as far as other writers, um, I pretty much go solo because my father always said, if you have something you want to write about, don't tell anybody, don't talk about it.
0: Right.
1: Get it on paper because if you tell it, it it please Not that somebody's going to take it. It's just that it's gone. Right. And so you need to share. You have to focus your past passion on paper. Right. I understand that you do learn a lot from other people. Hmm. Um the history part uh I talk to you know I talk to a lot of people because I research. So you're dealing with specialists and things. You know, professors and you know um but as far as the writing um you know I I wish I wish I could but it's it's pretty it's it's self isolation, you know. Right. <laughs>
0: Right. So if there's writers out there who are looking at, uh, you know, have taken a pretty strong interest in, in writing something historical, what would be the advice that you would give to future writers that you wish you knew about when you, before you started writing?
1: I think that you have to know how to, you know, you know, have, have to know how to sell your, sell the idea. It has to be interesting. Um, and if you're going to do his, books about history, like I said earlier, it has to be accurate. So you have to make sure that you are quoting everybody properly, um, that you're, you know, that you're tagging everything properly because, um, you know, you don't want people will will catch you on it. Um, I, th- I think it's you know you just have to be thorough, um, and you. I think that I, I would like to get into a larger, you know, a larger writing format so that you could have all your information. Um, the research is out there. It's easy to, it. I think it's easy to research. You just have to know how to ask the questions. Hmm. So if you are researching for a specific book subject, ask all the questions. So much is online. It's so easy now. When I started researching this, I had to go to libraries and go to town offices to read town histories. Mm. It wasn't online. So, I mean, now everything you can look, read text from the 1800s, um, you know, so use all your sources. Um, and it is good to read other, you know, see how other people do it. Mm. You know, read, read other historic books and see how, you know, how do you like that? Is that too dry? Is that, you know, okay, that's way too much fact. Um, but my bottom line for anybody who wants to write is, just start putting down words on paper. Mm. You know, don't uh, don't think that it starts at the beginning. I've never written a newspaper article, a, you know, covering a town meeting. I've never started at the beginning. You never do. Mm. You you always figure out how to put. What's your lead? You know, what's what's going to be your grabber? Um, but if you sat there and worried about, you know, how am I going to start this? You're you're not going to do it. Mm and and nothing is ever perfect you
0: know so, so who do you recommend you mentioned that who what, what what authors uh inspired you as you were writing
1: well i like i like with history it's a little tricky uh but i would go to the fiction authors that i like um dick francis who, who wrote all kinds of, uh, history, you know, uh, uh, not history, uh, mystery novels about the racing in England. Um, he could write sh- very concise, um, even though it was fiction. Um, and, and I'm learning a lot. Uh, I'm a very big outlander fan. And, um, Diana Gabaldon is like the best in research and in writing. And he, and so, I learn from that. I learn, even though that's all fic- you know, a lot of it's fiction, she's done her homework. Mm. And that's the key is when you're going to do history. Um, you have to do your homework. You mm. have to be able to back it up. But um, yeah, I, a lot of them, the writers that I like are usually like mystery, <laughs> mystery <laughs> or history.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it all just goes together. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh- uh,
0: so Michelle, where can where can people find your work, your 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 works right now?
1: Um, the the Peacham um, Civil War book is available um, online. You know, you can just go to the Peacham Historical Association website. Um, I don't think that that's a broader that's not in like a like an Amazon deal. But the um, the History Press books are all available online. You just type in my name and you know, it's available on all of the big websites. Uh, That's the nice part about it. Mm. And, and it's also in, you know, like the Phoenix books uh, around Vermont, but it's easily found online.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay.
1: And I, I do, you know, I have written a lot uh, for the newspaper I work at, at the journal opinion. And um, so that's also, you know, archived through the, like the department of libraries and stuff. One of the, one of the things that I um, look to is it's important to, it's important for me to look at history and, you know, and make it interesting. But um, because it's important to know where we, where we came from. So we know where we're going. Right. Um, And I like to just share. And that's why, you know, the stories are not good if they just sit in a, on a dusty shelf. Right. So that's why I like digging them up.
0: Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you very much, Michelle. And they can find you anywhere at uh, the Journal Opinion is online. And subscribe to your local newspapers, everybody. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. And everybody stay healthy, stay safe. This was great to be able to do this interview remotely. Um, Josh, thanks for having me.
0: You're welcome. Yeah.